You know, we've been asking you to go and to go out into the world and belong to your neighborhood, belong to your uh, street, uh, belong in your church, belong in your family. You know, often I see Christians, they're just vacant. They're just not there. They've got stuff on their minds that they're trying to achieve, and, and it can be quite narrow, and, and they're at work, but they're not really at work. They, they've always got their minds on a different prayer or a, a different agenda. And if you belong, you will come into some sort of spiritual attack. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk a little bit about how to use the spiritual armor, because if we're asking you to go out there, we want you to be equipped. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, we'll just read one verse. Does anybody uh, just want to turn there with me? It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Hey, can I show you something? If I asked you, and you know this, if you look at verse 10, if I asked you where all the attack is coming from and, uh, what, and what the, the uh, sources of that attack were, you can read it there in verse 10 and verse uh, 12. Jane, can I ask you, as Jane's one of the elders of our church, she's going to preach for us on Mother's Day. Jane, could I ask you just to come and hold this placard for me? And what I want you to imagine is that these steps are kind of like the heavenlies. And in the heavenlies, you interact with the heavenly realms, and, and they are like a spiritual dimension. And so in the heavenlies, there are rulers, authorities, powers, and principalities that will interact with you. And, and that's what the, the scripture says. But I just want to point something out. If we'd like to get the status of, of what the positions are in the heavenlies. So we've got rulers, authorities, powers, and principalities. But... Everybody, if you turn in your Bible to First uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and if you look at verse 19, I'd just like to point out some status about what's in the same dimension. It says, the incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same of his mighty strength. When he raised Christ from the dead, he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, Jason, so these, these rulers, authorities, powers, and principalities are in the heavenly realms. But Jason, Christ is in the heavenly realms. Jason, just come with me. Jason's also one of our elders. And if he falls off the stepladders, he won't sue the church. Jason, if you just like to <laughs> climb way up there, just as, you know, you're okay with heights, are you? Just lift that up. Because look what the scripture says. In the same realm, Christ is far and above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and his name invoked. That is invoked. Not only in the present age. Yeah, you can give him praise. And, and God's place, all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it said, And God raised us up with Christ, that we would be seated with him in heavenly realms. So let me tell you, folks, I'm not down here 
Jason, I know it's going to be a little bit nervous for you, but I'm up here. I'm up here, seated with Christ in heavenly realms. And that's the position that I come from. And when I look at spiritual warfare, you see, life is life. And these people, these spiritual forces, they will attack me. And and things will happen. And sometimes I see spiritual warfare as a progression. Sometimes I need to just shelter under Christ. Because things are difficult. And I just need to shelter and say, God, this is so difficult. And uh, there are times when I, I need to then make my stand with Christ and say, hang on a minute. I need to stand and to, and to begin to not believe all the lies that have been around me. I'm just making a stand. And then there are other times when I need to use this place that I'm with Christ as a base to launch an attack and to come on. So Christ is a shelter, a stand, and a base for me to launch out. Now you see, you're going to feel different things. Your mood is going to change. Your circumstances are going to change. But let me just point something out to you. The position of Christ never changes. He is far and above everything that, that is ever over every name, over every principality, every ruler, everything. That's where Christ is, and that doesn't change. Amen? It's from this picture that we want to talk about spiritual warfare. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate your help. Don't hurt yourself, Jason, there. You know, life is life, and Ephesians 6 says that we will have struggles. And we don't want to dismiss that. But it's really, really important that you understand that even though you might have spiritual attack and oppression, that Christ is on the throne. Now, spiritual opposition is this. A spiritual attack is opposition to do, to not do the right thing in God. It's an opposition to you doing the right thing in God, excuse me. It's, a, it's, an, it's an opposition that when you seek to do the right thing in God, a force comes against you to try and make you feel like you don't want to do it or try and hinder you doing it. That's what a spiritual attack is. When you want to do the right thing in God, an opposition comes against you. And it's brought on by a mixture of your own thoughts, your own habits, and your own dispositions, as well as direct inspiration from some of these personalities in these heavenlies. They sometimes fuel some of our moods and some of the thinking. The armor represents our total protection because you're going to be attacked from all sides, particularly if you're a Christian today. You're going to need the truth belt because you will be attacked with lies. You're going to be lied to about you, your position, your progress, who you are, who God is. There's a father of lies and you're going to need a truth belt 
in order to withstand those lies. You're going to need a righteousness breastplate because you're going to be tempted not to do what's right. You're going to need a gospel shoes of readiness because there will be many distractions for you in your life to move you away from your true mission and purpose. You're going to need that readiness because there are distractions everywhere, particularly in this modern world. You're going to need a faith shield because there will always be a voice that says, well, this isn't working. I prayed and this didn't work. And there will always be a voice that throws an arrow into your soul about why it doesn't work. You're going to need a helmet of salvation because there will always be a voice that says, this isn't worth it. All this sacrifice, all this, all this giving money away, all this stuff that we do, all this loving people, and people backbite, and, they, and, and really, uh, you know, is going to heaven such a great deal anyway? Is this really worth it? You're going to need that helmet of salvation to protect you from that thought. You're going to need a sword spirit, the word of God in your heart, because you will face situations where you don't think there's an answer. And where you can't see an immediate answer and you're going to need revelation and the word of God to provide direction for you. You're going to need the weapon of unceasing prayer because without it, we can become insensitive to what is on God's heart. That unceasing prayer will keep your heart soft. But today, I'm going to just hone down and talk to you a little bit about the belt of truth and come to two real strong responses that you're going to have to grapple with. You know, if I said to you, pull yourself together. Have you ever said that to somebody, by the way? Uh, Just to say, if you said that to somebody, you're not a (laughs) counsellor. That's not your spiritual gift. Although we've all felt like it, haven't we? Pull yourself together. If I said, pull yourself together, That might come across uncaring uh, to you. And actually, however, that is the function of the truth belt. It's this pulling together and putting everything in its place, everything in its proper perspective. It's it's located around your waist. And and the reason it says waist or the old-fashioned word was loins because that's where they felt like the reproductive Uh, things came from and so it's almost saying look unless truth is what issues from deep within you everything else goes wrong and what it meant was this buckling this girdling this this pulling everything together steeps you in truth grips you in truth so that you are in a general state of readiness to attack for God We, we all kind of in our culture today We all want to be thoughtful, accepting, kind. We want to consider options, and and that's fine. But what the truth belt is, a kind of framework and a pulling together so that you come at life in a particular way, so that you have a framework to operate from. It's almost like a filter to stop some things coming into your life. We are told to be belted up and be ready so that we're not loose and all over the place. 
Do you remember there's a guy in the Old Testament called Belshazzar who was a king in Daniel's time? And do you remember that strange story when a hand appears and writes on the wall, mini, mini, tekel parson, I've weighed you and found you wanting in the balances? And what it says to Bel, about Belshazzar, the king, is, is that his knees start knocking and he goes all faint and his body goes all over the place. That's exactly the opposite picture to the belt of truth. What God is saying is, pull yourself together, know what you believe, have a filter so that you don't believe the lies, strengthen yourself in what truth is, and you'll be prepared for life. Jesus actually said about the virgins in, uh, in uh, the parable when he said, Be dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning. Have a way that you come at life. He said to the people in Exodus, he said, Tuck your, tuck your cloak in your belt. Get your sandals on because tomorrow you're leaving. Be ready and be all together. And that's what being in the belt of truth means. Pull things in, get yourself together, have a framework for what you believe and what you operate and live in, because that will make you ready to approach life. In old King James language, Peter said it like this. Gird your minds, gird the loins of your minds for action. It says in the NIV, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace brought to you when Christ is revealed at his coming. In other words, God is saying, get ready, Christ is coming back. You better have your mind together. You better know what you believe and why. You see, the function of truth in your life is to make you ready for what comes so that you can hold it together. And you're going to have a lot thrown at you. So what's your reference point? What's your foundation point? What's the belt that's holding you together so that you can judge if something's good or not? There's a film coming out in June from a book called The Shack. And it's a lovely uh, approach to how God might deal with suffering. But here's a couple of things about The Shack that I would caution you not to swallow. It says that everybody, everybody in the world is going to get saved anyway, whether they accept Jesus or not. That eventually, everybody will just give in to love whether they accept Jesus. And that God loves everybody so much, he won't judge people. So, because I'm belted with the belt of truth, I'm going to say, mm -mm, that's not how it works, actually. Unless you accept Jesus into your heart, you won't be saved. That's the clear teaching of the scriptures. Can you hear an amen? amen? You know, that is what the Bible says. And so it's a lovely idea, although actually it's not a lovely idea. Because actually I'm committed to my wife and I love my wife and I'm exclusive about my love of my wife and that makes my love valuable. I'm not going to say, well, it doesn't matter who we love, Kathy. Let's just love everybody. Let's be married to everybody. Could you imagine? Let's have like 500 husbands, Kathy. Oh, man, that, what a great marriage that would be to have more than one husband. See, that's not love. That's just loosey-goosey choice. 
You need to belt yourself together and say, no, I love my wife. I love my God. I accept him and I receive him. Because when you buckle yourself down, truth becomes a pathway of freedom. It becomes a a highway for you to walk on. The reason why some of you are in trouble is you haven't got any truth in your life and you're all over the place. And you don't don't think there are any boundaries, no right, no wrong, no nothing, no high, no depth. And the reason why we are moving in a good direction is because we are belted up, belted to a safety belt of the truth of God that leads us in a particular way, that opens up the vista and the life of freedom before us. You see, many of us have fallen into the trap of thinking That if we believe in truth, we become narrow-minded. But actually, if we believe something is true, it gives us a choice and a progression in our lives. Truth and the function of truth brings the activity of the Holy Spirit to you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. And when you believed... You were marked with him, in him, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. What I need to say to you today, church, as you fill your life with truth and you respond to it, then more of the presence of the Holy Spirit comes in your life. You attract the Holy Spirit in your life. Not not just a narrow-minded dogma, but when you begin to say, Holy Lord, will you fill me with truth? Then the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to lead you and speaks to you and sensitizes you, which is a very long word, makes you sensitive, which is the interpretation of those tongues, makes you sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying. You see, I've been in some churches where they say, oh, we need more of the word and we don't want that spirit. And I've been in some churches who say, let's just have the Holy Spirit and let's not just be full of that dry old word. But I want to say to you that the word begs for the spirit and and attracts the spirit. And I want to say to you, as you're in the spirit, it will call you to the truth of the word. The function of truth binds us together as a community that we begin to speak and act in truth to each other. In fact, Ephesians says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all one members of one body. But I want to hone things down to two things of what the belt of truth really is. There are two types of truth that we arm ourselves with. Number one, doctrinal truth of our faith. Psalm 119 verse 1 says this, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. The body of truth that makes up Christianity governs us and organizes us. And it's that doctrine that will begin to free you as you arrange your life under what the Bible says is true. You see, the Bible says Christ is far and above all, and that doesn't change. So as we arrange our lives under that, then we can begin to operate in freedom. The Bible says that God is love. 
And therefore, as we arrange under that and say, well, the Bible says that, and it may not be my experience right now and my circumstances that all my circumstances are difficult. So I've been dealing with a case this week where somebody doesn't want to take medication because why would God allow me to suffer? And actually, God is love all the time. And so if you judge who God is through your circumstances, and by the way, it's in another church, so don't worry. And if you judge God by your circumstances, you will change what you think God is like. Oh, God can't love me because I'm in this circumstance. No, belt yourself up with the truth and the doctrine that God is love all the time. And then whatever you go through, it will arm you against some of the circumstances you're going through. It's not that God doesn't care about your circumstances. His love wants to be in you because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Famine, nakedness, sword, hardship, suffering. God loves you all the time. The body of truth that makes up Christianity has to govern us, organize our lives as we arrange ourselves under it, as we begin to surrender to it, our lives move in right places. Let me read to you what James says in chapter 1. Look at this with me, verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gives it, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, will be blessed in all that they do. Let me say to you modern Western cultural people, we've often seen doctrine as truth that is restrictive. And we have to lose the attitude that I don't want to be strong on doctrine because it's like somebody telling me and trying to control me. Actually, if you're strong in biblical truth and doctrine, it's a pathway to freedom. It helps you approach life and will filter out the lies of the enemy. So I wonder what doctrine you're resisting. I wonder what you're not getting into. The second type of truth that we can belt ourselves up with is sincerity and integrity. Living out what we say we are, having a true heart and living out the personal truth that's within us. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's that word that you say, I believe that so I live like this. It's that integrity that says, I, what you see is what you get even when you're not seeing me. It's the truth that you walk in. Jesus called his disciples together in the upper room, and in his great prayer, he said this, sanctify them by your truth. In other words, wash them on the inside with your truth. Your word is truth. It's this sense of being what we say we are because we've allowed truth to become personal to us and to begin to shape us and make us. That we've personally applied the truth and it means that we don't judge ourselves too harshly any longer, that we believe what's true about us, what the Word says. 
Father Bible says, think of yourself with sober judgment. Some of you are drunk on other people's opinions. Drunk on the misery of the past. You need to sober up. You need to see yourself in Christ. You need to see yourself as healed, redeemed, forgiven, adopted, accepted, child of God. You're drunk. That's what the word in my heart says. And therefore, I can live as a child of God because I'm applying it to me and I'm genuine and sincere about it. It means that we people can trust us and we, we don't take advantage of other people because we have integrity, because we're sincere. It means that we are genuine in our faith approach so that we're not double-minded. Everybody turn with me to the book of James in chapter 1. Look at verse 6 with me. It says there that, see, the double-minded person is a two-faced person. This is what it says. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. The belt of truth is you honestly saying, I live this when nobody's looking. I am true to this. I have integrity. I have sincerity. I believe some doctrines, but I also walk it out personally, no matter what happens. And that will protect you and guide you and keep you safe. You see, the attack will come. Can I just prophesy? The attack will come, says the Lord. And you will need doctrinal truth to withstand it. You will need a commitment to hearing what the scripture teaches. This attack is very old. Wasn't it in the Garden of Eden that the serpent said to Eve, has God really said? Does, does the word of God really mean that? What, what is it that the word of God has said and you're resisting it? You know, this is a Pentecostal church. And that means we believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you come along every week and, and you're okay with the singing and you're okay with, with, the, with the brand and the style, but you don't really want to get into that spirit business because you don't want to become weird. Does the Bible really mean for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, it does. What about, you know, that... Do, do, do you think that God will really look after me if I pay my tithes? Has God really said that? Does God really love me no matter what? That attack will come. And you will need what James says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, but humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Because that attack will come. There will be attacks on your true self and on your integrity. Saying something like this. You know what? We live in a world of grace and, and I can't be perfect. And, and, you know, God doesn't expect me to be perfect. It's okay to have a skeleton in my cupboard. I think about Joshua, you know. The very first thing that was said to Joshua after the instruction, Moses is dead. One of the very next things that was said to him, I think it's in verse 8 of chapter 1. Meditate on this law day and night. Do not let it depart from you. Have a belt of truth. Brace yourself with truth. Let that be your guide. And so he has this fantastic victory, doesn't he, in Jericho. I mean, the walls fall down. What a great thing. I wish I would have been there. You know. I know Pastor Nick gave a great message a couple of weeks ago about how we're supposed to live in the time that we're supposed to live. And I used that against Kathy, saying, you see, I knew we weren't supposed to watch Jane Austen and all those period dramas. I was just, you know, using your words there, Nick. But I just wish I was at the walls of Jericho sometimes, don't you? Wouldn't it be great? You know, they're walking around in silence, then you blow the trumpet and you shout and the walls cave in and we run in. What a great victory, don't you think? Okay, it's just me then. I'm going to get excited whether you are or not. What a great victory. But then chapter 7, God's told them what to do. God's told them and said, don't take any of their gods. Don't steal anything. You don't need any of that. I'm your God. And there's one man, isn't there, Achan, who just says, it doesn't apply to me. It's okay to have a skeleton in the cupboard. It's okay to say you're living like one thing, but actually you've got a secret. Because God's a God of love and he's a God of grace. And we can't be perfect. You see, here's what I think. The first time, that you have a little thing in your life, I think God's grace is all over it. I think God's grace is there for you, and I think God understands. And I think God understands when you make a mistake. I think God understands when you sin. And I think he's there to forgive you. I think the moment that you just even understand that it's a sin, and you make an inkling, even when you dwell on it, I think God's leaning over heaven going, come on, it's okay, come back to me. But then I think, when that becomes a pattern, when you say no again, and you say no again, and you say no again, and you begin to justify that little secret, that, that part of your life that you're not handing over to God, then I think your defenses become weaker and weaker and weaker, and your belt gets looser and looser and looser. And you become open to other things. Because you're not living in integrity, what you say you are. That attack will come. The attack that says, surely, did God really say that? Or the attack that says, it's okay to have a skeleton in the cupboard. I'm not perfect. And we're all not perfect. 
But listen to what the word of God says. He says, but who can endure the day of the Lord's coming? Who will stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and a laundress soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify his priestly people and refine them like gold and silver. And the Lord will have men and women who bring offerings of righteousness to him. God wants you perfect. God wants to refine you. In fact, the New Testament says it like this in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Therefore, since we've got all the promises of God, dear friends, let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body, the spirit, and the soul, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. The first time the skeleton is there, we get it. But if after the Holy Spirit repeatedly knocking on the wardrobe door and saying, why don't you open that? Why don't you give that to me? After a while, your defenses come down and other things start steaming in. So here's my question to you today. I'm going to ask Natalie and the worship team just to come. Is there a doctrine? Is there something that you need to press into that you've studied and you know it's for you, that you've said to yourself, you know what, I've put the brakes on about that. And you've kind of said, this far and no more. Do you remember the children of of the wilderness? Israel walked around a a 12-day journey for 40 years because they said, you've shown me this and no more. There used to be an old song called One More Time Round Piccadilly Circus. And it talks about just going round and round. Are you not pressing into everything that you know God has shown you? Let's stand together, shall we? And here's my second thing. Is there something that you think you have to give over to the Lord that's hindering your work with Him? Now, it may not be a big sin. It may not be any sin at all. It may just be something that you think, Lord, are you happy with this? You see, the truth belt is, let me press in to all the truth that you have for me. And the truth belt says... Can I just get rid of the hindrances? Some of them may not even be sins or anything. But let me just name it. Some of it might. You might know that you've got something in your life that if you keep doing that, it's just going to spoil you. So why don't you take a moment today to just release it to the Lord. And here are some ways that you can do it. Actually, We love praying for people in our church and you might not have anything what I've been talking about today on your heart. There may be something completely different and we're not judging anybody who comes to the front. And we would just like to pray for you. So you've got any situation that you think, I need prayer about that. Please, we want to pray for you. But you could rededicate yourself today by taking communion. And you could take communion on your own and you could just say, Lord, by doing this, I'm just rededicating myself to you. You could come and receive prayer and say, this situation, I just want to give it over to God. 
We're going to sing a song in a moment that says that He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And I want you to know the backdrop of in truth is this, of living in truth is, the truth is God loves me no matter what. He's got a persistent, prevailing love that no matter what I've done, though I am faithless, He yet remains faithful to me. So why don't you invite Him more into your life? You see, as you do this and you don't doubt truth, you actually push back darkness in your life. Here's a revelation that I've had that's almost taken my mind away while I've been preaching. That some of you have been given a ministry and that's the truth. That's true of you. And the enemy is trying to steal it away from you. And that's the lie. Why don't you come and just say, God, I want to complete my ministry to you. There may be many reasons to come and receive prayer. In fact, if you want to press into something or give something over or receive prayer about anything else, would you just begin to make your way from your seat right now and just come and dedicate your life to God? Just before we even start singing, just take a moment. Yeah, God bless you. Lord loves you. We're going to sing this song and if you would like to take communion then come forward and begin to do that. Because as you push into God's truth, you push back darkness. You know, here's another revelation. There's an old truth that you used to live in and you've let it go now. And God wants to reclaim back those good things that He put in your storehouse. Let's pull ourselves together in God's truth and that will keep us strong for whatever life faces at us, throws at us. We're going to sing this song and then I hope we can pray for lots more people. Thank you, Natalie. God bless you.